This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win... Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Uh, welcome to the Chelsea fan cast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that likes to be beside the seaside, but not in a hailstorm. Uh, now, more disappointment for the boys in blue and uh, their, it seems, long-suffering fans as they failed to put away a plucky but poor Bournemouth side at the weekend. Uh, it was a case of deja vu all over again, as Chelsea failed to capitalise on the majority of possession and put their chances away, only for Bournemouth to poach two goals inside four minutes to go ahead. But Chelsea's very own Don Quixote, a Spanish knight in shining white kit, saved the cherry-red blushes for Chelsea by leaping to head in the equaliser from a Pedro shop and salvaged a point. More disappointing than the result is the creeping media narrative feeding the oh-so-gullible Chelsea fans that Chelsea's season and performances are increasingly catastrophic and that Frank Lampard is heading inexorably to a hasty exit. Yet another sacrificial management lamb on Marina and Roman's high altar. How short their memories are regarding the circumstances of Frank's arrival and the fact that he's more than steady to ship with more structural weaknesses than the Titanic this season. Yes, the manager has the ultimate responsibility, but he can only pick the players he has available. He can't score clear-cut chances or stay on side. He's not the one making defensive mistakes. The players have to hold their hands up and take responsibility, and for whatever reason, it might just be that they're simply not good enough. Hopefully, the decision-makers at the club and the narcissistic siren calls from the flakiest elements of our support will acknowledge that this season, above all others, was about taking a leap of faith. The Chelsea Fancast number 494, A Leap of Faith. Uh, every show we do, Jonathan, is a leap of faith, I think, but, but there you go, maybe that's just me. <laughs> How are you, love? 
I'm very good, thank you. Very good. Enjoyed uh, seeing you on Friday mm. um, in the flesh. Um, I do. I do exist. And, uh, I am real, mate. Yeah, yeah. Because I began to doubt it because you were just a disembodied voice Indeed. all the time, and I thought he's an A one uh, intelligent life form. I Indeed. thought it's you know Indeed. he's uh, he's fabricated by the internet mm. and algorithms. But no, you actually do exist, mm. uh, unless of course you're a thin- synthetic. Uh, but I don't think that we're that advanced yet. Um, I'd be, I'd be uh, artificial, artificial unintelligence. Oh, Chid, you're doing yourself down. Oh, mate, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit fried no. tonight. I'm a bit fried tonight. Anyway, you were saying. Um, uh, um, do you wish me to comment on our status? No, not yet. No, no. We'll, we'll let's keep your powder dry because we've got a packed show I'm tonight. My powder, my powder, my powder is in its pouch. Lovely. Thank you. Love to be on the show with such esteem. Well, indeed. Esteemed would you like caring. to? In, would you like to introduce yeah. them? Well, the wonderful, the wonderful legend, the leg end that is Marco Gate Seventeen, of course, and the uh, the brilliant. The brilliantly uh, erudite ob- observational gems of Dean Mears. So, all in all, you know, uh, why am I here? <laughs> because I asked you. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, yeah, thanks. Yeah. Um, now, what Dean and uh, Marco won't know is that. I, I forgive me, but I forgot who, who sent the email in, in last week. But somebody sent an email last week saying, look, you know, not, not all of the people that listen to this show have been listening since 2008. Uh, so uh, when you have guests on, can you get them to explain who they are, like a little biography? And I said, that's a really good idea. So for those of you who are yet to be uh, discovered in the Amazon rainforest, Marco, who are you and what do you do? My name is Marco Warrell, a.k.a. Marco, because my mother is Italian. Um so what do I do? Well, I support Chelsea, season ticket holder for as long as I can remember. Uh, been going, well, first game was in the early 70s, started going sort of regularly, um, early 80s, um, with smatterings through the 70s, and then um, kind of started writing about Chelsea um, in the early 90s, um, and then sort of got into writing books um, and sort of got addicted to it, really. And um, many other Chelsea supporters have indeed uh, asked me about publishing books. And in the end, I set up a little publishing house called Gate 17, which is named after the gate that I and indeed you, Chidge, mm. enter um, Stamford Bridge by in the upper Matthew Hardin. And yeah, so uh, I think I think the, the the number of books published now is approaching forty in the Gate Seventeen Library. So a few shelves there for the uh, collectors out there to fill with uh, books from many people, including Dean Mears. So, that, Mark, I really enjoyed that. I think that's lovely. I think it's a great idea. Forgive me the person who wrote in last week, who I can't remember what you were called, which is very bad of me, but it's a great idea. So, Dean, it's your turn now. Yeah, I've got to follow that from Marco. Yeah, follow that, mate. I'd, fo- I'd, fo- yeah. I'd have trouble following that. Um, yeah, season seat holder from just before Roman, just slightly before. Um, I keep the website alive on ChelseaFanCast.com. You're our star um, writer, Dean. Don't don't play it yeah. down, son. And um, I like TSUK as well. And yeah, last last summer, 
Uh, Marco gave me the green light on uh, my first book, and he uh, was a star. Without him, I don't think it would have been published at all. Um, yeah, that's out now. Still available. Still available to buy. What's it called, Dino? Uh, it's Cult Fiction, How a Year Under Sarri Almost Tore Chelsea Apart. And a jolly fine reader is too. So there we go, Jonathan. I love that. I think every every guest has to do that. I think it's the future, mate. Uh, do you warn them, Chidge, or they just have to do it on the spot? I'm, I'm not going to warn them because then it's natural. And they're yeah, all good. because that, re- yeah. that was really good. That was you know, considering that, exactly. that was, they both did. They're and, both, I'm speaking as if they're not there. They both did very well. They did very well. They should be applauded. Next yes. week, I promise, I will ask you to do it, but not this week because it's been rather long so far. No, no. No, oh, go no, on then. I go didn't. on, do it, do it. Go on, Jonathan, because I forgot what, last week, now? and it was very rude of me. No, yeah, I now, did right? Did you do it last week? Yes. Okay, fair enough. I won't then. All right, let's go on with the show. So, on the show tonight, uh, God, I haven't done the show with four people for ages. It's going to fry my brain. Anyway, on the show tonight, we ask: Has Marcus Alonso earned a stay of execution, or is he system dependent? What's the key problem? Defence, attack or midfield? If it is midfield, is it time for a change of approach? In part two, we ask, is the meltdown and criticism justified or not? How much of this is down to poor coaching and decisions and how much poor players and bad execution? How much are the injuries a mitigation for Frank and Jody? And can we stay in fourth given the injury concerns with Tammy and many, many more? In part three... We look ahead to the Chelsea versus Liverpool FA Cup match tomorrow by looking back at some famous FA Cup ties against the Scousers. And we ask, will Liverpool be vulnerable or more determined after losing to Watford? Will Klopp pick a weak side? How will Frank approach it? Who will he pick? And how much do we want the FA Cup this season? Would top uh, would top four be preferable to a cup run? Who knows? Anyway, to wrap up in part four, we've got some cracking emails to read out as ever so there you go now don't forget you can listen to the show live every monday apart from when it's not on monday at seven o'clock by going to mixler which is mixlr.com forward slash chelsea hyphen fancast where of course you can join in all of the chat on the chat page uh where so many of you do uh, every week it's lovely to see a few of you in there ryan goodliffe english dan seven andy the hutch ryan goodliffe he's, he's i say him twice because he's posted twice adam finnegan benji toe Yaroslav Blue, the lovely Nigel Bird, and the lovely Bob Uzray, and uh, Mr. Aussie signed my broken leg. Very appropriate, as it was Aussie's birthday yesterday. Or no, the anniversary of his death, what am I talking about? Wasn't it? Uh, anniversary of his death, wasn't it, Marco? 14 years since Aussie left us? 14, is it that long now? Yeah, it must be 14. It was 1996, uh, 2006, rather, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. All right, so loads and loads and loads of notes to talk about what I would like to call a packed show. So uh, after this very short break, we will get on with it. Righty ho. Uh, well, it was. Uh, I mean, as I was, I was laughing with Marco a minute ago, uh, I, I swerved the temptation to go and find some dodgy uh, illegal stream to to watch the game because it just never really works for me. So instead, I I, I relied on 
the wireless. Uh, you know, good old TalkSport 2 had it on live. So I was listening to that and I've, I forgot how torturous it is listening to your football team on the radio. But there you go. Um, bottom line is, quick summary of the match. I mean, we were, on to- we were on top, undeniably. I mean, you know, shots were raining in. Uh, possession was humongous. But as ever, as I said in the intro, we, we don't put our chances away. We have a funny five minutes, suddenly find ourselves 2-1 down. But what I would say, JK, in amongst all of the acrimony that seemed to just descend everywhere, um, we did actually fight back to get a point. I mean, I, I, I will utterly accept that it's a game we should have won, but there have been times this season when we question whether they've actually got the bollocks to come back after going down, and they did, and they very nearly could have pulled off a win, really. It's amazing, isn't it, that... A guy who's so derided, and, you know, let's face it, he's got his flaws. But, I mean, he's just technically, I think, his, his left foot is such a wand. And you cannot argue with that. Two goals against Bournemouth. He could have had a hat-trick against Spurs. I mean, you know, I love the man, Marco. That's all I'm saying. Well, so do I. I mean, what a handsome devil he is, too. How he's, could you not love him? He is indeed. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I mean, for me, two things. One, what a pro he's been, because... Um, not only, you know, if you go back to the Spurs game, every time he plays Spurs, he gets abused every time he touches the ball by their lot. So, you know, it's a fantastic bit of uh, schadenfreude um, that he, um, you know, buries the ball in the onion bag. Um, and, uh, you know, every time we play them pretty much and he's involved. Um, and, you know, he, he's been out of the side for long periods of time. But, you know, when, when Frank's picked him, um, he's done the business. You know, I mean, obviously the buying game aside where, when, you know, they were just a cut above. That was a real leveller for Chelsea. But, you know, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because the um, <clears throat> those, those on social media quick to uh, leap on his back tagged him with the Alonso nickname, didn't they? And, and yet... And yet, uh, against Bournemouth, he um, he covered the most distance. He had the highest average speed and reached the top speed of any other Chelsea player on, on the pitch. Um, so, you know, shackle that to seven shots, two on target, four key passes, the most in each category by a Chelsea player. Um, man of the match, isn't it? You know, and... Uh, Thank God we've got him because that would have been embarrassing to lose um, that game on uh, on Saturday against Bournemouth. You know, given the usual uh, stats that you alluded to, you know, I think we had 14 corners, um, made no capital from any of them really. Bournemouth had four and scored from one, um, which is a very familiar story this season. Um, so yeah, you know, we're, we're blessed that we've got good pros like uh, Alonso who can be called on and uh, come into the side and get on with it and deliver the goods. Um, so, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, Dean, where do you stand on, on Alonso? And I mean, I think in particular, mate, you know, I'll be honest with you. I'll be really, I mean, I love him to pieces, but I, I do think he's really best utilised in, in the position that he's phenomenal at, which is this wing-back position, in, 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 you know, when you're playing a 3-4 or a 3-5-2, whatever. Uh, but, you know, but I, he, would, he would be on my list to ship out in the summer. He really would. But 
you know, there's a nagging suspicion that you can, how can you get rid of a player who does that? So where do you stand on him as he is now? And and would would you say this? You know, he's earned, earned the right to stick around for a while yet, or or, or or is it just a question that if you can't play three at the back and three or five or four in midfield, then there's no you, you know there's no use to him. Yeah, I think in his current setup and the current squad, he's got to be on the on the pitch and in the team because he seems to be the only player that can produce something in the final third when it matters. You know, like like you said, he would be one of the players that I would ship out because hopefully you improve the quality of what's in front of him and you don't need a left wing back to score goals that your wingers and your forward should be scoring. Well, that's true, isn't it? And I, I, I think this, you know, it's a really, I think it's a really inst- interesting and, and constant theme. I mean, I, I, Jonathan and I were saying this on Friday night that, you know, the reality is, uh, I think actually this was very much to do with the fallout really from the Bayern Munich game where, you know, we looked so, so far behind the really, really, really top sides. And if you think that Chelsea were, you know, competing you know, really strongly with those kind of sides for a good 10 years. If we want to get back to that time and you look at the kind of players that we have now compared to then, then, you know, we need better quality players. And uh, this is why it's so difficult. You know, you wouldn't have Marcus Alonso in that in in that kind of a side. Maybe he just looks so good compared to the, some of the dross we've got now. It's a real, it's a real conundrum for me. I mean, not least because he's a beautiful-looking man, Marco, and I love him. But other than that, it's a real difficult one to gauge, isn't it? Do you keep somebody like that, or do you let him go and try and get somebody better? Well, you know, there's there's been all the all the talk at the start of the season. Um, you know, when when uh, things settled down, Frank, and you know, it looked reasonable for a bit. Um, in terms of the results and and uh, the, the the system he was playing, you know, all the talk was, yeah, we need to strengthen down that flag, flank, get Ben Chilwell, blah blah blah, and yeah, you know, Alonso's twenty nine, so you know, a bit like Aspilicueta, he's not getting any younger, um, but you know, if there's no plan B, he he's he's a great guy to have in in the squad. Um, I mean, I'm sure he could go, you know, back to Syria or, or uh, to, to Spain, um, to his you know home country in Spain, and uh, get 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 a regular uh, run out in, in any team in either of those countries, and maybe that's what he aspires to, you know, and, and ultimately, I guess, um, you know, like like a lot of things, a lot of positions, you know, striker, central central defender, and even goalkeeper. Now, um, it all depends on what kind of summer transfer window Chelsea have. I mean, if they don't they don't spend money on a left back, then I think there's a place for Alonso for for a, another season. Yep. Well, we shall see. Time will tell. But right now, uh, you know, he's been our best player for the last two games. and All power to his elbow. And I think, actually, the, the, the really nice thing is that Frank made this point as well, actually, uh, of what a what an absolute professional he's been. You know, he's been on the sidelines. And that's not nice when you're his age. Uh, he's been on the sidelines, but he's, you know, kept his, kept his nose clean, comes in, does a great job. That's a great example for the youngsters we've got in the team, isn't it, Dean? Yeah, absolutely. Um you know, I think it was around December time that you know, Alonso couldn't get even on the bench, and we started struggling for for goals. And you know, Frank puts him back in, and he's he's ready. He's setting that example. You know, and if we 
we can't get them signings to strengthen the squad, then yeah, definitely he's one that should be sticking around. Yeah, absolutely. Right, now, uh, there's an issue that I really want to address because I, I think I... I, I may have earned my UA for A coaching badges here with this one, Marco, because everybody's been going absolutely bananas about how shit the defence is and the fact that we leak all these stupid goals. Uh, understandably, everybody's been going on about the attack and the fact that we don't you know, put the, put the chances away. But I can tell you for a fact that we are something like uh, third, fourth in the league in terms of the number of goals we've scored and about tenth uh, or lower for the number of goals we've conceded, which would tend to indicate that actually even though we're not putting our chances away as much as we would like uh we're not doing as shabbily up front as people would like to think and actually mainly maybe it is the defense that's the problem now that's possibly true but um i was having a chat with mortimer old mr paul mortimer uh, on sunday and and i was talking about the fact that i think actually the bigger problem at the moment is chelsea's midfield uh in other words, we give the ball away far too easily and we leave far too much space, which means we're vulnerable very much to teams that can just kind of bomb through us uh, or, or, or use a bit of, you know, the old, good old-fashioned physical football, win the ball back and then spring and then put the ball in the back of the net. Now, I'm not saying that I'm kind of excusing the defence of all culpability here, but I do think that we've got a problem there because we don't really, in that midfield, certainly without Kante and certainly without Kante playing in his favoured position, we don't have a ball winner, real proper ball winner, an enforcer, you know, the likes of Mikel or Essien or even Balak in his prime. So I'm kind of wondering, uh, I mean, you know, you might disagree. You might not think it's the midfield at all, Marco, but I, I think that there's a problem with the midfield. And I think if we're going to improve, that's where the improvement needs to come. I, I yeah, definitely agree. Um, you know, Kante being, um, unfortunately, you know, uh, the risk of sort of, being controversial, um, I think Sarri completely ruined him. Um, you know, uh, he kind of, I think he, he wasn't fit, was he, really, to play in the Europa League final. No. Um, he played uh, because he wanted to. Um, and, and unfortunately, he's, be, he's become injury prone now. Um, you know, some something that wasn't uh, a part of his... Um, you know, his, his makeup when he won the league with uh, Leicester and then came and won it with, with Chelsea. He, he looked, you know, robust and kind of, you know, invincible, but he's he's too injury prone now. And I think what that's led to is, um, you know, Frank having to fiddle around with um, his, his midfield lineups. Um, I think... Jorginho's looked incredibly lightweight um, this season. You know, I, I mean, I, he's picked up 13 bookings across two competitions. He's the first man in the history of football to be banned from <laughs> Champions League football at the same time. There you go, Marco. Chelsea Football Club making history, not reliving it. Exactly. The thing is, though, you know, um, I mean, I remember when Diego Costa used to get get himself carded with with um, impunity uh, but you know he was definitely he was usually getting carded for for being an angry sod and you know trying to poke the eyes out of the opposition whereas you know Jorginho I, I don't know he just he's just not he's just not at it enough for me he's not he's not that midfield grappler you know in the in the Mikel mode um, 
and we, we just don't have that. Well, what's interesting about Chelsea's midfield this season is, you know, Kovacic has, has clearly displayed um, an appetite for, uh, you know, recycling the ball, getting some decent passes, running into position and even scoring the odd goal. Um, but even he's, you know, he's slight in stature. And, you know, if you compare Chelsea's midfield with, you know, and obviously it's an obvious thing to say, you know, with City, with Liverpool, I mean, even Leicester, you know, they're, they're, they're physical teams. Um, or, or they've got at least one physical player in midfield. I mean, Liverpool, Jorginho, Fabinho. Or was yeah. it for me? Well, you know, I always get my Binos mixed up. But, you know, they've got two players like that. Uh, City have got certainly one. Fernandinho, I think, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you know, so all the top sides have got some, you know, nasty piece of work in midfield. And that's what you need, I think. I, th- I think the other, I think the other, I think the the, the, the root of Chelsea's problem and, and Frank's problem um, for much of this season has been, you know, the lack of, and part of this has been driven by injuries, um, but part has been driven by Frank really not knowing um, what his best permutation of players are. I mean, obviously, you know, he kind of stuck with the, the, the starting eleven that overpowered Tottenham, um, but sadly they were overpowered by Bayern. But, you know, th- there's been a lack of consistency in terms of starting 11s right through that team. For much of the season, you know, there's... We quite often that they play like strangers across the back. Um, quite often they play like strangers across the middle, and and quite often you know all those corners are squandered because people don't really know where they're meant to be because they're not playing together often enough. Um, you know we've said it hundreds of times, and you only have to look at the success Liverpool are having and City have had, and Chelsea have had in the past, you know, you, you've got to stick with stick with the back line, stick with midfield, and stick with the players up front. And, you know, rotation is generally governed by, you know, injury or, or resting one or two players, but not making key changes um, in every game. And as I say, you know, some of it's been forced on Frank, but... You know, you have to look at what he does sometimes and say, maybe that was a bit naive. Um, so, you know, I mean, obviously he's still learning and that's fine. But, you know, next season, I think the microscope, especially if we've had a good transfer window, the microscope will be a lot more on, you know, tactically what Frank's doing and his starting 11s than it, than it is at the moment. Mm, well, that's very really interesting listening to that, Mark. I have to say, well done, mate. But I'll get more. We'll get more into Frank in in, in part two. But uh, Dean, you know, do you think that Marco and I got valid points about the midfield? I mean, uh, I, I can't remember where you stand on Jorginho. Or I have a suspicion that you, you you're, you're quite a fan of his. But uh, I mean, there's a good somebody actually said on here. I think it was Sevman twenty six. This is. Uh, uh, a, a, an interesting, possibly contentious point, but interesting nevertheless. He says, Jorginho gets cards because he's positionally poor and not athletic enough. Definitely need a proper defensive midfielder. Kovacic has carried Jorginho, Dean. 
Yeah, I think the issue with you know, this midfield this year is that when that press disappears from the from the top of the pitch, teams can break very quickly against us. And what Jorginho is great at is reading the play and intercepting play when we're in a set unit. When we're defending counter-attacks, he's got no pace. He's getting booked because he's pulling people back. He's yeah. tripping them up because they're just running through him. Um, obviously, Frank's only got the midfield that he's got. And, you know, Jorginho was brought for Sarri. Sarri's not here. He can't even replace him with somebody else because they're injured or, you know, Gilmore's very young. You can't With a young team already, you're going to stick an inexperienced midfielder in there as well. It's, it's a difficult question for Frank to answer. I think the way he plays, you know, he needs a ball with a midfielder there. You know, the, the McAlady role, you know, a job Kante could have done if he wasn't injured. I don't see how he, he fits Jorginho in long term and... You know, that's why Jorginho's getting yellow cards because he's being asked to do a job that, you know, his body's not built for. Mm. I, I feel I feel that you, you, you've both nailed that absolutely squarely on the head. Uh, I mean, I, I, I think I think Frank's problem, and we'll get into this in a minute, but just to tease it a little bit, is that he's, he's managing a camel at the moment. There's lots of players in there that were bought for different systems, different types of play by different managers. He has to deal and manage and put in what he's got. Uh, and I'm afraid that leaves us deficient in quite a few areas. But uh, we will talk more about this in a minute. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper chels. Welcome back. This is the Chelsea uh, Chelsea fancast. Troubled and plagued tonight by technology, uh, a bit like Chelsea's defence was troubled by set pieces uh, all season and Bournemouth in particular on Saturday. But there you go. Um, here, here's the thing, chaps. A um, lot of uh, absolute... I mean, here's this is the really interesting thing, actually. Everybody's... We're all quick to blame Johnny Foreigner. Bloody plastic overseas fans. You know who you are. Uh, anybody under the age of 30. Anybody who wasn't at Rotherham away in 1980 or whenever it was. Uh, for basically melting down and, and criticising Frank and wandering around Twitter with photographs of Frank Lampard with F- Frank out. Um, so the thing is, what a load of old arse gravy, because actually I've seen as many, uh, you know, really kind of mad, melty-down criticisms and Frank outs from people of Marco and my age and older. So, you know, it you you, you simply cannot... You cannot uh, pigeonhole this and just blame all the aforementioned groups, in my experience. I, I think this is more, as a psychotherapist and by profession, I would say this has far more to do with with personality type than uh, location or age or longevity of support. But there you go. The, the, the main thing is, though, Marco, you know, number one, is the meltdown and criticism justified, you know, or, or, or isn't it, you know? I, I would be the first to say that no nobody at the club is beyond reproach or criticism, but given given where Frank, you know, I mean, I don't actually think anybody else would have taken the job in the summer, let alone 
frank. So I do think it's a bit silly. Yeah, it's you know as I said earlier, I, I think um, you know the, 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 there is a, an element of naivety sometimes um, about you know some some of Frank's tactics and and in-game changes and team selections. However, and it's a massive however, and one that every single Chelsea supporter should buy into, is is the fact that against our most despised rivals, Tottenham Hotspur, he has proven that he's actually a very, very shrewd tactician. So all he needs to do... You know, you know. I mean, I, I said it jokingly the other day. If he if he could bottle the elixir that he's concocted um, when we played Tottenham this season in the league, and you know, and, and feed it to his players every week, we, we'd be on course for the quadruple. So, you know, to to, to give him stick um, of the hashtag Lampard out variety that we see is a nonsense. Um, you know, clearly he's got what it takes. He's fantastic with the media. He's great with the players. Um, you know, he's two seasons into being a manager. Um, he's had no transfer window in the summer. Nothing happened in January either. Um, so, you know, we're still fourth. I mean, how we're still fourth uh Given, given the you know, if, if you just look at the um, the, the results, uh, you know, lost nine or whatever it is, um, you know, it just shows that pretty much, with the exception of Manchester City, um, Liverpool, and, and perhaps Leicester, the 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 top flights, you know, all the teams in the top flight, uh, all the traditional uh, top teams uh, are in a state of flux. I mean, I, I would say. Um, you know, the, the next Leicester-like team, I think, coming through are, are definitely Wolverhampton Wanderers. They can hang on to um, Nuno and, you know, and Raul and Jota and uh, those great players they've got. They're, they're, they're going to seriously challenge, you know, top four, top six. And I think that's great. Um, you know, Chelsea, you, you have to look at uh, the board um, rather than, you know, point the finger at Frank just in terms of why the club is where it is um, and, and quite how we ended up with Frank as manager. You know, and, and I just think we need a period of stability um, as far as the manager's concerned. For me, you know, Frank Lampard epitomises the spirit of, of, of Chelsea and he's got the ability to do the job. Um, so I, I think... People, yeah, criticise him, but don't slaughter the bloke um, and, you know, demand he be sacked um, because of, a, you know, a, a patchy run of results. Yeah. Um, I think just one last point. I mean, you know, whether we, we end up finishing fourth or not, um, you know, at the start of the season, uh, given, given everything that was gone on, you know, if you'd have said, yeah, you're going to be fourth um, heading into the last 10 games of the season, I think people would have said, yeah, that's that's punching above where we thought we would be, uh, given everything. I, I, I think Marco has created a rod for his own back completely. I'm back, by the way, um, because um, they started off so well. I think if they'd started off 
tentatively or you know just getting better or interesting results we'd have been more forgiving because they played so well you've got everybody trying to find reasons for it all falling apart so we, in a sense his own excellence has been slightly his his uh, his downfall in this in this situation i mean like i'm bemused as to what's happened to tomori who uh, um clearly has fallen out of favor because but having because rudiger was so bad against bayern he he gives him a game and Tomori looks a complete shadow of his former self. You wonder what has happened to him? Has he been, um, is it got too much for him? Has he exhausted himself? What is it? Nothing like the player that we saw at the beginning of the season who had a song created for him. He was playing so well. So uh, it's... Um, that, I mean, I I'd say, Jonathan, I, I would say for Tomori, I mean, you know, Frank actually did allude to this in a recent presser. Uh, saying that, uh, you know, there, there were things that weren't quite right in his game. And, you know, he's the manager and the coach. He sees him on the training pitch. And uh, I mean, I might, I might not agree, but I, I respect that that's his call to make. And what I would say in terms of what we've seen on the pitch, you know, we, we were saying at the beginning of the season that with young players, you will get inconsistency. You will have dramatic dips in form. So, you know, maybe that's what's happened to him. Maybe there's a little bit of confidence missing. I don't know, but... You know, it's Frank's call to make. I mean, I, I think, like you both, actually, and I know, I know this of you, Jonathan, because we talked about it on Friday, but I, I just I just really think that, uh, yeah, you know, Frank's not perfect. He's also learning, you know, learning his trade, but he's he's done all right, you know. And I just think, I, I mean, I think, are, are, we, are we now all so infested by this absolute diatribe of media arse gravy that our concentration spans are now no better than a goldfish? You know, it's just unbelievable. We're like a bunch of starlings with our gobs open, waiting for it to drop. And then, uh, you know, do you know what it reminds me? It reminds me of that scene in Life of Brian. You know, stone the leper! You know, it's just that every five seconds we pick on somebody else. It's just madness. And nobody ever seems to be able to step outside of it, look at the bigger picture. And as I said earlier on, before we uh, came into to this part, I think what's be- really becoming very apparent is that we've got a smorgasbord of a side, you know, that Frank has inherited a load of very disparate players, all bought for different managers. Dean was uh, saying much the same about Jorginho being bought for Sarri. You know, different managers by different sorts of players. We've got a whole mix match of styles and play or players who can play different styles. And he can only really use what he's got. And what he's got is not really what we need at the moment. And I think that until he can actually start to fashion a side full of players that he wants to play the kind of football that he wants to play, it's going to be like this. Anyway, let's let's hear from Dean. What do you think about my, my rant there, old Bean? I went off on one somewhat. Yeah, no, you and Marco both, I think, absolutely bang on with what you say. Um, you know, Frank's going to make mistakes, and as a supporter, I think, you know, you have a, a right and an entitlement to, to air disagreements with, you know, team selections, formations, tactics, etc., but if you can't appreciate, you know, the the things that the Lampard's gone or the squad's gone through with you no know, transfer ban, losing Hazard, etc., um, and then you still can't get behind your club's greatest ever player as manager, you know, then maybe this is the wrong sport and is absolutely this is the wrong club for you. <laughs> Very good point, Jonathan. One thing that's really irked me a lot this weekend again is that, you know. People say, why isn't so-and-so picked? Why is that person not picked? And half of them are bloody injured, you know, or, or he's had to reshuffle because of the injury. And one thing that's really staggered me is that we have a ridiculous amount of injuries at the moment. I mean, I actually can't remember a time recently when we've had this many injuries to contend with. Can you? 
Well, no, but I've noticed on Twitter, lots of people are blaming the manager for that. Oh. Have you seen that? They're, they've been saying it must be down to his strange um, training regime. You go, oh, for goodness sake. Um, at, at the moment, Frank can't really do anything, I'm afraid. Um, or that they just got to win. I mean, but, you know, you know how fickle everybody is. All it needs is a decent performance tomorrow night and then everybody will love him again so uh well you say I everybody would... i mean i think the support inside oh, the no, stadium's pretty rock solid isn't it yeah 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 i mean we all well, go we know we're not that, even getting we? the odd boo i have to say i'm always dismayed by listening to other supporters particularly at uh, at the emirates and at the the tottenham stadium who appear to who boo their players which uh, is something that none of us do and the, and the other people who do do the odd person booze and they're told to shut up where I sit if that happens. So, uh, but um, um, no, it's a, it's a strange, uh, it's a strange time, isn't it? But it, we've talked about it. It's, it's, it's entitlement, isn't it? It's people expecting them to win all the time. And um, because they're Chelsea, because that's all they're used to. And uh, um, it, it's not, uh, it's not really sane. It's not sport, is it? It's, 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 well, my, my, my fear is it, there are elements of criticism, as you said earlier, you can put towards the board um, for having created the situation. But uh, um, to, to have a go at Frank this, uh, this early on is just not fair. So. But the way the media lap it up, Jonathan, that's what really annoyed me. And I, I mean, I absolutely hammered Mortz for going down that line on Sunday, as I said, you know. Yeah, or, or, yeah. I mean, you know, the likes of even Simon Johnson, who I know, I know well, and I like him. He's a decent chap. But even people like him, you know, wait, dangling the carrot. Oh, you know, maybe Frank might get the boot. You know, it, well, it just I, I, feeds this rubbish, doesn't it? But not only that, I, I, I lost all respect for him when all he, he and James Olley just repeated what was on Twitter as, as regards the the transfer uh, links. You know, I mean, um, uh, I mean, and, and some people wrote. You know the, the 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 possibility of having Ake, the benefits of having Ake playing when you know that was never going to ever happen. You just I'm, I find the the they're not actually writing stuff that is that is decent. It's just trying to get get people to like it, even from a Twitter aspect, which I find uh, um, a little bit shabby actually. From a, I, I Simon Johnson's not been at his best because they're. As with several of them, because they're pursuing the uh, they're pursuing the clickbait. I'm afraid. Well, one thing I can I mean we we mentioned it a minute ago, Marco, didn't we? But you know the support in the stadium is absolutely rock solid. And I tell you what, one thing absolutely for sure and for certain is that the club do not listen at all to any of the chaff that is on social media. They do not give. I know, and I know I've asked them about this, and they've absolutely told me that that's the case. But they will listen to what's going on in the stadium. They will take the temperature of the stadium. Uh, and, of course, now with Guy Lawrence in charge, who's, you know, Mr. Mr. Moneybags, you know, if, there's a, if, if suddenly 10,000 people stop turning up, then they'd take notice. But otherwise, you know, it's uh, forts are Frankie, mate. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think it's interesting, actually. Uh, I can't remember who made... Was it you that made the point about... Well, I think it was Dean, actually, who said about... Um, or hearing boo or, or JK about hearing booze at um, the Emirates and uh, yeah, me, yeah, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I think part of that is um, because where where I've heard booze at Stamford Bridge is when the 
the uh, the dynamic of the um, of of the gate or the spectators has changed. And I think you know if you've got pretty much forty thousand people supporting Chelsea who are season tickets and members that, that that you get for most of the league games, that that's pretty much rock solid support. Whereas you know you look at Tottenham, they they've suddenly gone from you know they've increased their capacity and I think they've just got a lot more of an impatient floating um, fan base going yeah. into the stadium there. I think, you're right. I think the Emirates is the same, Mark. I think you're absolutely right. It's the oh. extra 20,000. I mean, yeah, yeah. No, and I have noticed that at, you know, when Chelsea have played in, um, in the League Cup or the group stages of um, the Champions League in the past and you know the demographics change slightly, and and if things haven't gone well, you you'll hear boos. Um, you know, I mean, people are entitled to an opinion. You pay fifty quid to go and watch a game. If you're not happy, boo. I mean, it's not the way I'd support the team, but that, but that's but that's me. And um, you know, I I just find it I find it ludicrous that you know if we were getting beat four nil at home every week, um, then you know, fair enough. I mean, you know, get the white hankies out, but it, but it's not the case. Um, you know, we kind of saw the, the, the worst descent I've seen. Well, I, I guess the, the, the short-lived reign of um, Benitez and pretty short reign of um, uh, Sarri. Um, no, you know, I, I mean, clearly... Neither of those managers uh, enjoyed the support of everybody in in the ground. That's a fact, you know. And, and there were, you know, the reasons for um, Benitez were obvious. Sarri, uh, less so, to be honest with you. Um, but you know, he was a surly bugger and. <laughs> You know, he didn't really do himself any favours in terms of understanding the team. You know, the difference between Sarri and, and, and Lampard, you know, could be summed up in, in games against Tottenham. You know, like we, we played Spurs at Wembley under Sarri and he didn't give a shit. And, it, you know, and <laughs> you know, we got turned over. Uh, You'd never have, never have seen Sarri wandering up to the... To, uh, to... So, applauding each side of the ground, would you, like Frank does every game, or even the fans away? He'd never have done that. You know, I'll, I'll say it once again. You know, Frank knows what to do to turn Chelsea into a winning outfit when, when he, when it really matters, and and he knows we've got to beat Tottenham. We've just got to beat Tottenham, lads. We've got to do it for the supporters. And I thought it was interesting. You know, he made a comment in his pre-match presser today uh, ahead of tomorrow's game. And I think, um, what was it he said? Oh, it was, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be going all out for the victory. It's Liverpool. Our fans to come as, are coming to see us in the FA Cup, trying to overturn the best team in the land. You know, and you can tell just by saying that, that he means it because he's played that team so often he knows the rivalry. He was involved in those games in, you know, in the mid-noughties when 
we kind of played Liverpool. You know, familiarity didn't half breed content. Um, you know, we, we played them three, four, five times a season. It, it was absurd. Um, you know, that, what an intense rivalry it was, and it was brilliant. Um, you know, and Frank understands that, and, and I think people, you know, don't don't um, find enough credit to having a manager that passionate about the club that he's managing. I mean, the only other manager in the Premier League that, you know, I, I think gets it is, um, in terms of the club he's managing, is is Wilder at Sheffield United, you know, who, who's got a blade tattooed on his bondoleros, probably. <laughs> What's a bondolero? <laughs> you know, and, and I, I'm convinced by Solskjaer only because, he, I don't know, he just looks like a little kid that's going to start crying um, when, when things go wrong. Um, but, you know, he, he's united through and through as well. And, and, I, and I do think it does make a difference. Yes, of course, you, you need ability. You know, Di Matteo was kind of carried by the players that he had at his disposal. The same can't be said of Frank. You know, he, he hasn't got... Um, you know, Frank Lampard, Didier Drogba, Petacek, Ashley Cole, Mikel, he hasn't got a squad of that calibre to choose from. You know, as you as you rightly pointed out, he, he's got, you know, everybody's cast-offs. He's got players, Jorginho signed for Sarri, um, you know, Kovacic, who, who was only, I think, signed because we couldn't sign anyone else. Um, you know, the lad's done okay. He's got uh, Alonso, who is kind of brought in by Conte. Um, and it's, it's just a, a mishmash. The only kind of consistent um, aspect of, of his team selection this season is that, you know, with Jody at his side and his own ambition to bring the youth through, you know, you've got the likes of Reese James, Mason Mount, um, you know, coming into the first team. So... All those things being un- un- put under the microscope, you know, I-, I think the manager deserves 100% support. You know, he needs to be backed by the fans. Um, and, you know, people just need to see beyond the next result. You know, we're not, we're not, we're not West Ham United. We're, you know, it's not like every result and you're back at the bottom three if you lose. We're, 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 we're up at the top end of the table. Yeah, sometimes it's it's shit, and you think, Christ, you know, I, you know, I mean, the biggest frustration for me, I find it unacceptable, is that we can't defend corners, and we can't bloody, we make, can't score from corners well, either. You know, and I, I don't know, you know, that is basic training ground stuff. So, you know, Frank needs to look at that seriously. But, but Marco, I mean, we don't know is the, is the honest answer for all of us here. But my assumption is that the coaches that are employed by the club, and it's not just Frank, of course, but the coaches that are employed at the club know how to coach team to defend at set pieces and also to score from them and actually rigorously do this on the training ground every week. That's my assumption, because I would be astonished if that wasn't the case. But at the end of the day, you still need the flaming players to execute it on the day. Well, no, and I, I have a suspicion that that's where the problem lies. They well, either don't listen or they get, you know... i tell you what, what Frank said the, uh, after the Bayern match, Dean, was really, really interesting. He started talking about match-ups 
And I think that's a very underestimated thing in football. I mean, even if you played at school level, which I'm sure we all did, you know, a matchup. If you know, if you got, if you got the better of the, the the player you were up against, and if all of your team did did that, you will win that game. If you get beaten by the the guy that you're matching up, and most of your colleagues do, you're going to lose that game. So ultimately, as I said earlier on, Dean, it has to be down to the players as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's got to be you know personal responsibility for what happens on the pitch. You know, when you line up at a corner, you know who your man is. If if you don't pick him up, you know, then that player's either going to score or is going to create a chance for someone else. Um, it was interesting watching Rio Ferdinand did a documentary with Lampard, uh, Little Interview, and you know Rio said, oh, "I'm interested to see you on the training pitch because Frank was always a quieter player," and he said the only voice you hear is Frank's, and you know he's demanding that of his players and. You know, Marco touched on the squad, you know, when Didier Dropper came to Chelsea and he was, you know, falling about on the floor, you know, John Terry, Frank Lampard, you know, said, you know, that's not what we do, that's not good enough, you know, shape up. And, you know, Dropper became them through their influence and that's gone. There's nobody in that squad that does that. And I think that's, you know, the job that Frank's now got to do, instead of being as a player, he's got to do that as a manager and, you know, guiding people like Rhys James, Loftus-Cheek, Tammy Abraham, to be those players that, you know, come through the academy, that love the club, that understand the supporters and, you know, the way we way we work and to get that back. And without that, we're not going to be a top club that's challenging at the top level because, you know, players are going to be happy to let things slide, such as not picking up a man from a corner. Very, very good point, Dean. I like that. Uh, just to wrap this part up, I, I will add that I do think that, you know, this has been really, if you look at it from the bigger perspective, this has kind of been an emergency season. Frank comes in, very few others would. No transfers in, losing hazard. And I mean, now people are saying you're not allowed to use that as an excuse anymore because we've had, you know, 28 games. It's, it's still relevant. You know, this was a season to get through. And in a sense, you could say that Frank's managerial career at Chelsea won't start until next season because then he will have had a transfer window. Then he can start imposing himself on that on his squad and I think that's I think that's a very valid point now it's a it's just a real conundrum I, I tell you I mean I'm the thing I'm most furious about Marco is this media narrative that gets spun out and I meant I should have said this really in the body of the part but never mind it's what we call premium content for people who listen to Mixler but uh, this idea that um, Frank's going to get sacked sooner rather than later because this is what Chelsea's board does they're not taking into any account the fact that maybe the board have actually got the same philosophy that we're espousing here, that they actually understand what's going on, that they do want to have a reboot, that they do want to grow things organically, and they do see Frank as the man to do that. But nobody seems to... The media won't have it, will they? Fuckers, a lot of them. I think it's interesting, the point that JK made. Um, you know, I think the problem is that there is too much... Um, there are too many media channels now, um, particularly on, uh, you know, with, with social media outlets. So if you look at Twitter, um, you've got lots of different, um, you know, accounts, uh, you know, digital newspapers, newspapers, um, and then football channels, all all basically reporting the same thing um, and all kind of, you know, measured on their KPIs by, I guess, by, you know, people subscribing to various, 
you know, channels, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So kind of how, how do you make that? How do you make people click and, and read? And, and, you know, it's, it's to come up with, uh, you know, pe- people aren't interested in reading about continual success. You know, if, the, if, the, if there was an article that was written about Liverpool saying, you know, that there was some dissent in the in the dressing room, and that was the reason behind, you know, them losing three nil at Watford. It would it would probably get more hits than anything else that's been written about Liverpool in in the last six months. And that you know, that's the way it's kind of you know, people are in. It's, I don't know. It's a tricky. It, yeah, but you know what? What bugs me, and remember, I you and I know a lot of these people. Some of them really, really well. What I abhor is the is the lack of any critical thinking they they all get i mean you know and here's the thing you can make this analogy with uh the you know political reporting these days as well they just that i'm trying to think of the uh, the word for it but they, i mean they're they're a bit like a dog with a, a, a you know adhd you know they can't focus on anything or take that step back and actually critically analyze what might be going on and i mean that's why i, I love writing but well actually to, to be absolutely fair to be allowed to write what i write by ollie and football london they bless their little hearts they never interfere uh, they just let me do what i do and that's what i try i mean i try and be fair i mean i i hammered into the club uh uh, after the Bayern match last week, you know, and I picked out all the flaws and what's going on. I was very honest about it, so I don't just blow smoke up the players, Franks, and the club's arse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, you do the same with CFC UK and the stuff that I used to, to read that you used to write. We use our brains, mate. It ain't hard. And you know what? People, I remember when you were writing for ESPN, people would flock to what you were writing, and the stuff that I write for Football London gets, I mean, I ask them, but they, 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 they say, no, 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 it's, it performs really, really, really well. And I don't write clickbait stuff, so, you know, you can do it. It's not hard, you know. No, no, I agree. Unbelievable. We're going to have a quick break, uh, and then I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, not so much talking about the Liverpool match tomorrow, but to relive some of the memories of the great FA Cup ties we've played against. Oh, don't worry. I promise we'll talk a little bit about what we think about is going to happen tomorrow, but we'll be back after this break. When you follow a big team like Chelsea, one of the most frustrating things is not being able to get a ticket for the match, especially when it's away and not live on TV in the UK. What can you do? Get updates from your mates? Follow online commentary? Listen to the radio? Let's face it, it's not the same as actually watching the match live, is it? NordVPN have the solution to every football supporter's matchday problems when they can't watch the match live. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. It's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. 
See mcdonalds.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast with me, Stanford Chidge, Mr. Mark Worrell. Buonasera. The uh, indefatigable, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's been a trooper tonight, Mr. Jonathan Kidd, battling against the elements and technology. Buonasera. There we go. Two buonaseras. Will we get a hat trick? Dino, nice to have you. The lovely Dean Mears. Good evening. <laughs> good, good man good man keep it keep it english mate i know right okay um obviously we're playing uh liverpool in the fa cup tomorrow night uh and, and you know what i i have a sense i have a feeling that nobody really is giving too too much of a shit which i feel really sad about because for me and i'm sure well i can't speak for dean because i know dean's a little bit younger than us but certainly for me marco and jk the you know the idea of a of an FA Cup tie against Liverpool just brings back sterling uh, memories, particularly for Jonathan in Chelsea's two uh, 0 win in the quarter final at Anfield in nineteen thirty one thirty two. JK. Yeah, yeah, even even earlier. <laughs> I jest, of course, uh, but no, I mean you know the three the three matches that always springs to my mind. When you talk Chelsea, Liverpool, and the FA Cup, particularly Chelsea, Liverpool, and the FA Cup, as in a home tie, are the very infamous uh, 1978 match at Stamford Bridge in the third round when we won 4 2 with Clive Walker absolutely doing the business, uh, which I, I sadly wasn't there because I would have only been about 12, 13. Uh, so I wasn't allowed to go in those days, uh, being a little country bumpkin in the sticks. But I watched it on the big match in black and white, I think. I don't know why it was in black and white. I remember did, it being in black and white. Did you find out the result? Did, did, you, did you wander around not knowing deliberately? I wandered around <laughs> not knowing. I mean, to be brutally honest with you, J.K., I wasn't... I think it, it wouldn't have been live. It would have been on the big match, obviously, on the no, Sunday. No, no, but, but you, you could have found out the result on sports. Yeah, I'd, I'd have known about it. But I wasn't, I wasn't kind of just... I mean, you know... I, when I went to school, you know, I didn't have many mates who were Chelsea fans. So, you know, yeah. it, it, it just wasn't on the radar to the extent it is now. But I remember watching in awe Clive Walker and his blonde locks. And I, I always thought that Brian Moore secretly had quite a big love for Chelsea. So that was all exciting. Of course, the other one is the is 1982 in, uh, it, it, when we beat them 2-0. And then uh, some, many people's favourite match of all time, really, is the 4-2 in 1997 when... Uh, Viali and Mark Hughes and Zola uh, turned it all round and, you know, got us on the way to winning our first cup since 1970. And the rest, as they say, is history. But, uh, Mark, Ma- Ma- well, Jonathan, you can, what, what are your memories first? Yeah, well, I'll ask you say, first. Haven't you missed out the, uh, the Peter Rhodes-Brown goal for the 1-0 as well when we beat them? That wasn't in the cup. And haven't, you missed, and haven't you missed out... Um, um, Bobby Tambling scoring at Anfield for the two-one. Yeah, that's sixty-five, sixty-six. But as yeah, I was yeah. uh, about six months old, it doesn't register as, as highly for me. But I'd love you to talk about that one if you want to, because <laughs> you were probably there, weren't you? And no, funnily enough, I wasn't. I'd been to a Queens Park Rangers game oh with my, my dad. God, that's and, it. You're, um, you're fired. You're fired. Uh, well, my dad liked to go to these games. He went to <laughs> the Fulham or Queens Park Rangers when Chelsea were away, and um, and he'd take me. And um, I'd thrust my little face in those those every ground appeared to have. I was going about this, but these those stock railings, which were little interlaced 
black, whatever the colour of the team you were playing against. So if it was Sheffield Wednesday, they'd be blue. And at Chelsea, they were blue. And uh, and you stuck your little head between them because that was your size to watch the game. And um, uh, and we did that, at, I think, Rangers at them as well. Um, but no, my dad used to, used to take me into the stand at Rangers. But uh, I remember coming back and we were going down uh, near Loftus Road, Blomfontein Road or something. And... Um, the uh, and it was sports report. We all used to go oh, oh, and uh, I remember whoever it was saying, "And Chelsea win at Anfield." And I'm going, "Oh!" <laughs> Bouncing up and down in the back of the car, and then watched it, um, and then watched it on uh, on match of the day. But the the thing to do frequently was was not to know the result, deliberately not to listen to sports report so you'd whatever the five minutes the seven minutes of the game were the first time you knew the result which was uh, joyous when you were little of, and uh, being able to bounce up and down in the front room if they'd won but you know that was just such a great uh, great victory because Liverpool were all encompassing at the time I mean as were as were the as were the Blues at, uh, at that period so uh, you know they were they were one of the top teams with one of my favourite players playing of course George Graham who was just completely immaculate Wonderful. Never understood why they sold him, uh, sold him, swapped him for Tommy Baldwin. Baldwin. But I digress. I think the, you just the... answered the question. Then they sold him for Tommy Baldwin. Yeah, but that wasn't that wasn't um, wasn't a great swap. I mean, Graham was wonderful, Chidge. Yeah, I mean, but Tommy Baldwin's really... Tommy Baldwin, mate. Yeah, but he was a completely different player. I didn't get it. He was a forward. He was yeah, a... yeah that, that's a good point. They're very different. different players, very, very different. I, mean, I didn't get it as little. You know when you're little, you you uh, you get sort of mini crushes on players. You just think he's fantastic. Like Bridges. Bridges left and went to Birmingham. And my heart broke because Bridges, were, they'd all fallen out with Tommy Doherty. He had that great ability to, uh, you know, another a team that was rent asunder in the same way that um, by having rows with the players and managers have rows with the board you know I mean but it'd been intriguing to see if Conte hadn't actually rowed with the board where we'd be now at this moment but he would have demanded a huge amount of money and a huge series of purchases of uh, of ancient players some of whom of course are still playing in Serie A even though they're 35 so perhaps he was you know he was ultimately correct but you're not going to do it with the board I mean I've been a great fan of the board over the last few years just knowing what has gone on but there are more and more, I think, Chidge, we're, we're, we're debating why they've, why poor old Frank was, has been set up in yeah, this situation. Can we talk about Liverpool? No, I know, I know, but I just wanted to mention that because I wasn't on in the first half hour of yeah, well, the show. If you, yeah. Well, you shit happens, mate, as I said. And you meant, you may, yeah, but allow me a moment, allow me a moment. Um, but uh, Liverpool, um, yeah, the Rhodes-Brown goal. Do you not remember that one? Driven yep. expertly into the, uh, into the corner, very much like the Clive Walker goal. Well, when was and, that? Uh, uh, was that uh, was eighty one eighty two? Eighty one eighty two, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. But then um, we had uh, were, were you at the seven were, were you at the seventy eight one? Were you, were you at the Clive Walker match, the one that I yes. was going on about? I thought yes. you might have been. I'm not yes. just very quickly, behind, I'm, I, I'm, I'll come I'll come back to you. Marco, were you yeah. at the seventy eight one? No. Right. Okay. JK, tell us about the seventy eight one. What was it like being there? Well I, I you know, once again, you know, we're not playing very well. Once again, um, you get a little winger who I don't think ever played as well again as in that game. Well, well Clive Walker did. He was a character. But um, Rhodes-Brown just um, drove in from the left. I was that wonderful thing where I was sitting in my dad's seat because he couldn't go. And, uh, and it's right on the angle. And you just see it going in, you know, exactly behind it. And you just, you know, you're in ecstasy as it uh, disappears into the goal mouth. I mean, the thing about the Clive Walker goal, the first one, of course, was that it completely took Clements by surprise and, and it swerved away from him. 
and he's in despair. I remember Clements being really upset by letting the goal in because he was the England goalkeeper at the time. Um, but um, uh, just the Rhodes Brown one, he was. They were all, all over them for the, and they held out. You know, and there were usual panics. Um, but it was. We, we were all. You know, he was so good that day, and whether it was too much for him, he never played as well again. Rhodes Brown. We all had great hopes for him. You know, what a great performance. Rose Brown, wow. Never again. Don't know what happened. Um, mm. Sorry, I'll keep going on about that because it was just the joy of we were so the underdogs, which appears to have been the state every time we played them. Um, uh, we were more equal in the, we, we, you know, they were still ahead of us in terms of uh, ability in the in the 4-2 um, game, um, supposedly. But it was just the brilliance of Hughes coming on and turning the game round completely. As he did. I mean, I, I've gone on about this frequently. Well, I'm gonna, I, come, come, I want to come back. I want to come back to that. I want to come back okay. to the '97 one because I want to. I want to talk to Marco about the because I know I'm absolutely sure Marco was at the one in '82. Yeah. Tell us about the '82 one because that was in it. I mean, the, in, the interesting thing for me, Marco, always about those two matches in particular is that Liverpool at the time were European champions in both of those matches. So, I mean, we're second division in both of those matches. So, I mean, astonishing achievement. But you were there in 82. I wasn't. So you tell us what that was like. I think, uh, you know, uh, uh, being the age I was then, um, and I, I kind of, I think I was 20, 21, um, and kind of grown up, um, you know, all I, my first game was Liverpool 3, Chelsea 1. Um and there's there's quite a bit about that in um, in my book Liquidator, uh, and I'd gone there with my dad hoping to see Peter Osgood and Peter Benetti play, and neither did because they were both injured, um, yeah. and we got beaten, um, and I was gutted, you know, I was like eleven, um, you know, so Liverpool was kind of like a big thing, and then you know there was the horror of of you know, just watching Chelsea fall apart. You know, you're kind of a kid uh, in short trousers. Um, Chelsea, you know your colours to the Chelsea mast. And then the first thing that happens, or, or the, you know, a couple of years down the line and they're, they're, they fall apart, they're in the second division and everybody's laughing at you because you support Chelsea. Um, and that kind of carried on, you know, for, for, for pretty much. And it was still going on when, when we drew them in the cup. Um you know, in, in 82, you know, we were a second division side. It was kind of, you know, Johnny Neal's Blue and White Army was very much a work in progress. It, it, it wasn't the, the, the Blue and White Army that would carry all before them, um, you know, that, that we came to know and love. Uh, you know, so, but it was but it was a huge game. It was just huge. And, it, you know, the, I can't remember what the gate was. It was probably probably not far off what the gate will be tomorrow, you know, quite similar, but, you know, the atmosphere um, at Stamford Bridge in those days was completely different. You know, the, the, open, the, the, the North stand, you know, was packed with Liverpool. The shed was, was, was sort of swaying with Chelsea. It was, there was stuff going on all around the ground. Um, and it, it was just incredible, you know. For me, it's kind of like, yeah, you know, we scored early on through Rhodes Brown, um, and then sort of hang hung on a bit. Uh, and you were kind of like looking at Kenny Dalgleish and thinking, oh my God, you know, what's going to happen? Ian Rush, 
um, you know, we, we kind of got Chris Hutchins and Mickey Nutton. And you kind of thought they're going to score, they're going to score, but it just didn't happen. And it was kind of completely different, you know, because it was so unexpected. We, we couldn't beat Liverpool in those days. Um, we couldn't beat Liverpool full stop for a, for a long time. Um, so, you know, it, it was just the whole thing, the whole experience was kind of extraordinary. Um and you know, sort of moving moving forwards to the, the, the you know the, the 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 sort of glorious unpredictability of the the game in um, the ninety six ninety seven season when we came from behind to beat them. You know, again that that was quite similar. But you know, for me, that that whole atmosphere thing was quite incredible mm. that day. I mean, that, that is you know when when you kind of remember stuff. It's like the, you know, the 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 famous one-one draw at Highbury at the, the, the with with Arsenal when Chelsea got promoted back a couple of years later. You kind of remember the Dixon goal, but you kind of remember the the atmosphere and the whole everything that went with it a lot more. Um, and it's I don't know. I just kind of feel I feel sorry for sort of the younger generation who are unable to experience. Well- that, that, that kind of um, talk, talking of the younger generation. Let's say, I mean, I, Dean, were you at were you at the ninety seven? What do you remember of that? Because that's that's much more kind of your your generations. Uh, nothing at all. I was only six. No, you were only six. Still, still a bit Christ, before my time then. Christ on a bike, you're young. Good God, I feel ancient, and I'm I'm young. Anyway, I mean, sorry, Mark, and a button. I just wanted if Dean was around, then it would have been nice to hear what he thought, but. Uh, I've uh, I've uh, underestimated his ute. Uh, it was an amazing atmosphere, wasn't it? I mean, so many people, Jonathan, cite that 97 game as, as perhaps... I mean, you know, I wonder, actually, here's a good question for you two. But, you know, we, we, all, we all grow up with kind of seminal Chelsea matches, which, you know, kind of uh, were real turning points, if you like. In, 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 I mean, you know, the Bolton away, for example, was a classic. Marco mentioned uh, the 1-1 at Highbury when we were most undefatigably back but I think I think you know that that match against Liverpool in a sense none of what we've got now might have not might have happened had it not been for that there's a real sense of that about it if you see what I mean would that be fair no I don't think so well we we ended up winning the cup we came from behind yeah that's true that's true but I I I think he had something going for him though uh Viali, I think we'd have made up for it in other ways. I don't know. I, um, I, well, Rudy yeah, was the manager then, wasn't he? Who was? Sorry, Rude was the manager. Rude at the time, yeah, he was he was. No, but ultimately, when when Viali started the, the following year, yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah. I just thought, yeah, we. we I remember it being at, at half time, being uh, absolutely um, uh, despondent. I mean, Completely worse than that. Yeah, I was. We we thought, oh my god, we're never going to get back in this. Too. The atmosphere was absolutely dreadful coming back in and just presuming that they would then take us to the cleaners, but not not appreciating the uh, the brilliance of Hughes and the uh, the fighting spirit that he had, um, and the skill and the uh, the bullying the bullying um, aspect, which is something we could do with now, I have to say, that kind of, uh, it's almost Costa-like, which Hughes had, which was his constant um, 
confronting the centre half and uh, illegally a lot of the time. And in some instances, <laughs> not even illegally, but the referee made an assumption that every challenge would be illegal. I remember him being in despair once. That he was just um, uh, every conflict, every moment the ball went up, the referee gave a foul to the other side. And in many instances, it wasn't it wasn't the case. But he did. He used to back in all the time, and the centre half would would absolutely would would you know would hold firm. So there was always initially a kind of who was pushing who. And in many instances, referees would say, well, it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. But some really had it in for him. But um, uh, uh, one of my favourite Chelsea players ever completely turned it round. Um, absolutely phenomenal performance from Hughes. And um, and from then on, Viali and Zola just, um, just, just took him away. It was uh, it was uh, completely a completely wonderful experience that night it was one of the one of the great games to be at that game was yeah sadly, sadly i wasn't at that one. Oh, uh, sorry chidge oh. i know i wasn't uh i was watching it on the old television but uh more full i was exiled then because i was a lazy tart and I, I was i think i was living back down in hampshire with the i'd only just got married to mrs chidge so uh, I hadn't managed to break the news gently to her that she would lose me to football for the rest of our marriage, but there you go. Uh, bottom line is three massively, uh, you know, really significant matches actually uh, for Chelsea down our history. And there's something about a Chelsea Liverpool tie. And by the way, actually, um, you lovely lot out there, if you're interested in, I mean, it's all right sitting there listening to us, uh, you know, revel in the uh, the the retroness of it all. Uh, but uh, you know, the Chelsea special podcasts, interviews, la 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 la, that I've been doing Martin King, which I promote on here every week shamelessly. Um, well, I can tell you that uh, those Liverpool games that we're talking about, certainly the, the, the 78 and the 82 ones, feature very prominently in some of the interviews that we've done, particularly uh, with Johnny Bumstead, Gary Chivers and Colin Pates, who uh, were, if, if not all play, I think Gary Chivers missed, missed the 78 one, but so they were all in and around the squad then, so they talk about those games brilliantly in the interviews that we've done. So do please go and uh, find them, discover them, educate your lug holes, all for the very, very small, tiny, less than a cup of Costa coffee price of £2.99 each. Uh, so basically just go and go to Podbean, chelseaspecial.podbean.com and then click on Buy Single Episode Now. You'll see the whole list of uh, all the people that we've interviewed, Kerry Dixon, Bobby Tabling. Chop Harris, Tommy Baldwin, the aforementioned Tommy Baldwin, Johnny Boyle, Johnny Bumpstead, Gary Chivers, Colin Pates. The Canners one will be with you soon. So uh, do go and do that. Uh, we're also on Twitter at Chelsea underscore special and, of course, on Facebook as the Chelsea special. But back to tomorrow's game. Hopefully we have whetted your appetite somewhat uh, with that little chat, which I actually I really enjoyed that. More of that, I think, on this show. But, yeah, getting back to uh, the game in hand uh, tomorrow... Um, of course, uh, Dean, Liverpool, uh, much to my annoyance on my acca uh, and delight in all other things, managed to lose their first game of the season in the league against Watford 3-0. I mean, that's just a bit of a hammering, really, let alone a loss. Um, which, of course, delighted everybody, um, not least Arsenal fans. But there is a, there is a, a, a slight worry for me that they, they may be a bit like a wounded animal tomorrow. And I think Klopp was probably originally going to pick uh, quite a young and a, and a weak aside, but I do wonder now whether he's going to come out with all guns blazing in because he's going to he's going to be angry, Dean. What do you think? Yeah, it's a bit of a concern for me as well. That, you know, <laughs> exactly. Being embarrassed a bit by Watford, and 
they're supposed to be, you know, this all-conquering, fantastic, the best side the world's ever seen, and they've all shown up a bit. And is that going to spur them on, or does does Klopp really care about the FA Cup at all? You know, you don't really know. It's a bit like what side Lampard's going to pick. You don't really know what they're going to do until then team sheets come out. You don't. And I tell you what, mate, what, what is actually, you, you mentioned, well, you know, what does Klopp think of the FA Cup? Well, the interesting thing is that I don't think Klopp's ever done really very well with Liverpool in the FA Cup, which is really, really surprising. Um, he's, uh, he, I mean, their last six seasons in the FA Cup, They've gone out on the third round, fourth round, fourth round, fourth round, semi-final in 2014-15. I'm not even sure Klopp was there then. And the fifth round. So, you know, Marco, there's a case for saying that old Kloppy, he not a big fan of the FA Cup. Doesn't take it seriously. So maybe there's hope for us after all. Yeah. I think that might have been true. Um, You know, it's kind of true in earlier rounds, isn't it? I think he said himself today that he picks a team that he thinks is going to win at the appropriate stage of a competition. I mean, obviously, that kind of backfired on him spectacularly against Aston Villa in the League Cup, didn't it? Wow. Uh, and, and he, you know, just about scraped through against Shrewsbury, um, you know, having, having drawn in, in, in the, the first game. So... You know, I, I don't know. If I was, if I was Klopp, irrespective of what's just happened, they're so far ahead in the league. I'd be thinking, right, we want to win the double because nobody remembers if you just win the league. But if you win the double, that's you know, that's the defining um, achievement of any manager in the English league is to win the league and FA Cup double and that's why Carlo Ancelotti is the greatest Chelsea manager of all time. (laughs) I love him. Don't you just love him on the touchline against Everton? For Everton, I mean. Don't you just love him? I sit there and think, oh, wow, you know. I'll be giving it a bit of Carlo, Carlo love when he turns up. Yeah, me too. Me too. Absolutely agree. His first game on Sunday. Yeah. Well, that's if he's yeah. allowed to, because he, he got sent off, didn't he? Which is appalling, but let's not go down that road. Um, this, this is all rather worrying for me, uh, Jonathan. Marco's saying that, uh, you know, that old Klopp's likely to put in a decent side. There's a mitigating factor here, actually. The, dec- the Ryan Goodliffe is on fire on Mixler tonight, because Ma- uh, Ryan says he thinks that they'll rotate, because there's a deficit in the... Because they lost to Atletico Madrid, who they've yes. got the return yes. picture next week. Yes, so I maybe agree. his eyes will be on that prize, which means yeah, he won't absolutely. put a full-strength side. What do you think of that? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think yeah. he'll he'll do a um, he'll play about four reserves, I think, and have the others on the bench as he did uh, as he did the other day against. Um, who did he do that against and brought them on? Uh, I remember Salah coming on later. Uh, was that in the? Was that in? In the first game, against, first no, game against Shrewsbury, I think Oh, yeah, it yeah. And the, it was in the replay, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, he yeah. just brought on... Um, uh, no, the first game, wasn't it? The draw, wasn't it? Um, and he just brought them on later on and they were all a bit rubbish. But, yeah, also, they're, they're not quite on their game at the moment. It's been pretty obvious. So, um, uh, I think we're in with a chance. I think we're in just as much of a chance as we were in, uh, uh, in 1997. No, I think... <laughs> Interesting to see how that team would get on against this side. Uh, slightly different tactics. Um, 
but uh, a slightly different pace of the game. But and, uh, yeah, I, I think he'll play sort of half and half. I, I, I think because they've really got an eye on the Atletico game, which is unbelievably important. And I, I also think he he'll underestimate us as well. I think um, uh, I think they'll they'll presume that we're not playing well enough, and he can get get by. Um, I suppose what would suit them would be a draw, wouldn't it? And uh, when does it st- cease to be replays? Has that stopped now? Was it? I think it might be this week. I don't. I don't. I think it'll go to penalties tomorrow night. Although I'm not entirely. Time and penalties. Is it extra time and penalties? That's a definite. Yeah. 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 Well, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, he might be. He might then bring all the if they're drawing, then bring all the uh, the hard guns out um, in the last half hour. Um, well, knowing we, that they then won't be exhausted for the Atletico game. I think he'll be paying attention to that because he, he, he needs to because they've got to get a result. Atletico, no no pushovers at all. Mm. It'll be interesting to see. Well, no, of course, what we, we, we don't know what they're going to do, although I do agree with you, Jonathan. I think that that result on uh, Saturday against uh, Watford, that's been coming because they've been getting away with it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, in the last yeah. few matches, aided so. by aided by VAR, of course. Oh, totally. Okay. But they they've not been us. I mean, West Ham could have beaten them. Yeah, arguably yeah, should yeah. have beaten them. Norwich couldn't should have beaten them. There've been quite a few matches recently where they've not been at it, and I thought they were actually schooled by that wonderful. I don't have a second team other than any any other Chelsea teams, but I tell you what, I've got a love a lot of love for Simeone's Atletico Madrid. That is the that they are the leaders in shit house teams. I love that. Uh, and they were schooled a bit by them. Of course, really, the onus for us is on on what we what we what we are going to do, Marco. It'd be interesting to see who Frankie Lampard picks. Not least, uh, more to the point, who's available. I mean, Tammy's out definitely. We know that. That's a massive blow. Uh, Giroud. I mean, he's probably running on air at the moment. All points to a Mitchy Batshuayi start for me. <laughs> what do you reckon, Marco? Well. Personally, I think the games for Chelsea is going to be won or lost. Um, there's a strong hint that Kepa's going to play uh, tomorrow. What up front? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you <laughs> what. I'd, I'd play. I'd play. Um, I'd play Marcus Alonso as centre crash. Yeah. Why not? Could do worse. But I, you know, I, th- I think goalkeeper is is a vitally important position. Obviously. Um, and you know, if, if Kepper does come back, I know Frank sort of made comments about how professional he's been. If he comes back and his head's together, great. If he comes back and his head's not together, then uh, you know you have to worry. Um, given given the, the, the firepower that Liverpool potentially could in, unleash on uh, on Chelsea, so yeah, it's a bit. Bit of an edgy one, really. Um, apparently, Christensen has got some kind of injury niggle, so there might be a change there. Mm. Uh, Possibly Zuma and Rudiger, I would have thought, or maybe tomorrow. You know, maybe he'll, I mean, you know, maybe Frank will will do what most managers will do, and he'll he'll rotate a bit. I mean, you know, if he brings in Kepper, then they're bringing in the second string goalkeeper. So you know, there is that. Um, joking aside, um, if anybody wants to have a, a little bit of uh, um, kind of a warm glow about the feelings that Michi Batshuayi might in fact be Chelsea's only fit uh, and roaring to go striker tomorrow. Michi Batshuayi has scored 14 goals in 20 domestic cup appearances for Chelsea. Dean, who knew? Yeah, but who against? Well, that's a, well, you always have to bring it down, <laughs> Dean. Honestly, I was trying to be positive here. Do you know what? I really can't remember, but you're right. They were probably really shit. 
there's no denying it is there really but so what do you reckon dean i mean i suspect there will be changes but uh i mean one hopes we give it a go and you know catch liverpool on an off game maybe not a full strength team for them we can do it why not we're at home give it a go eh yeah i think so but you know as football is these days, what is important is that Champions League football next year. And, you know, we are running a bit on empty. You know, I think there'll be a couple of, you know, even younger players coming in. I think there's two have been left out for the under-23s tonight that are in the first-team oh, squad really? tomorrow. Really? Who's that? Did Is um, is, um, is Cheek playing tonight at the under-23s? Yeah, he is. yeah he's, he is playing, yeah. Right, you, you yeah, won't but, figure tomorrow then. I didn't get. I didn't understand why he was a substitute the other day, but um, not having played ninety minutes at all, I find that all very peculiar. Bear in mind, Dean. Dean, you make an interesting point there because you've obviously been reading the script like a trooper and you've segued into it beautifully. Are you, are you the kind of person that would therefore subscribe to us uh, longing off the old cup tie against Liverpool tomorrow in pursuit of the top four finish? Would that be preferable for Chelsea than a decent run in the cup or even maybe winning it? Business-wise, that sacking this game off would be the, in the club's best interest if you know that helps the players recover and we can finish the season strongly. You know, as a football fan, I'd love nothing more than to be at Wembley in May with Frank Lampard, you know, leading the team out because you know the FA Cup's a great competition to win. Um, it just depends which of the way the, the sword that Frank's going to fall on. Well, in true Newsnight style, the answer, therefore, was yes, Dean, I think. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I'm only joking. I mean, it's a difficult one, isn't it? You know, I mean, I'm, I'm faced with my own personal dilemma because I've got, I've got two tickets to the uh, Chelsea Man City game for me and my lovely nephew, who's, who has become a fully-fledged uh, member of the, of the Blue Army and is loving... I mean, this is lovely, Marco and Jonathan. You'll both love this, I know. But he, he's now texting me during matches... In fact, he said his, 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 he texted me on uh, uh, during the Bournemouth game. I'll just try and find it. It's very funny. I mean, he 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 really gets it. Bless his heart. I, I, I'm so proud of him. Here we go. This is a quarter past four, Jonathan, and he texts. How are we losing against Bournemouth? The boy will go far. The boy will go far. Anyway, I try to cheer him up by. I was sending him my latest article, which probably didn't cheer him up at all, so I perhaps shouldn't have done that. So I sent him, I sent, you know that wonderful banner that uh, Brian Wolf and the Chicago boys have done for Marcus Alonso, Mark? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I sent, I sent him a picture of that. That cheered him up. He liked that. So there we go. So I've got two tickets for me and Sasha uh, for Man City. But, of course, should Chelsea beat Liverpool and Man City beat Sheffield Wednesday, then I can't take him to that because it'll get mooed. Bloody bloody blah, blah, blah. Of course, the other dilemma is if we do beat Liverpool and if we go all the way, then hopefully I'll be able to take him to his first cup final in his first season kind of going to Chelsea, which would be quite something. So anyway, who knows? Bottom line is, as ever, all I really want tomorrow is for Chelsea to win because I can't stand Liverpool and I love it when we beat them. It really is that simple. You can't argue with that. Anyway, what we can't argue with, Jonathan, is that we've got lots of fabulous emails to read out in part four. Are you up for that? I'm up for that, Chidge. Thank you. I thought you would be. Right, we'll be back in a sec. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com 
Right, welcome back. This, of course, is the Chelsea Fancast. And uh, I've got the lovely Jonathan Kidd, Mark Worrell and uh, Mr. Dean Mears. So we've got two authors and uh, me and Jonathan. I shall leave it at that. Well, I'm an uh, author as well. You, are you published? Are you published? No, I well, will be, though. I will be. You will be. Yeah. Yeah. I've got my, my glasses on, Chidge. My, my book, Marco, is in the longest pipeline ever known to man. <laughs> you keep threatening. Mate, it's, it'll never happen. I, I'd love it to, but I just can't see it happening. One day, one day, when I'm retired. <laughs> anyway, we'll probably all be dead by then. Anyway, um, quick couple of uh, plugs, because I've been a bit, with all the technological shenanigans going on tonight, I've been a bit remiss with me plugs. So very, very quickly, number one, thank you to the new patreon uh subscribers you are the loveliest people in the world bunging money to us every month is just phenomenal um and we are beginning to do better jonathan um the things i posted on uh, patreon last week have really gone down well they loved our little video they thought that was great oh fantastic yeah they like that we must do another one well we will uh next time i'm up which i'm not there on sunday because i'm in glasgow uh and i'm not there tomorrow for obvious reasons but uh we will do more because they like them. They also like the fact that I posted some other stuff up there and uh, little links to stuff and the articles. So I'm, I'm trying harder, people. I'm trying harder. But thank you for your really lovely, uh, warm comments back uh, that we are trying and you're liking what we're doing. So, so we will keep doing it. Um, anyway, if you want to, um, you know, donate to the Patreon site and get a few cuts. Because, by the way, anything that we put up there, like our little videos, nobody, they don't go anywhere else. They're, only gonna, they're exclusive to Patreon. So we are trying to play the game a bit. So there you go. Um, anyway, patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There we go. Easy. And you can donate as little or as much as you want. You know, a couple of dollars a month is what most people do. It's absolutely fabulous. And it does help cover the ridiculous costs that I've put into this damn thing forever. Uh, anyway, um, also, it's a good way to get in touch with us. If you want an email read out, um, I'll, I go to Patreon first. So uh, do let me know uh, anything on there and we'll get it read out. Uh, and also, in honour of the fact that we have, in fact... Out of the four of us, there are three, yes, three CFC UK writers on the show tonight. The best fanzine in the world, only a pound, hurry up. And you can get it from uh, the CFC UK store, which is opposite Fulham Broadway, when you will, you will find Marco at the store, won't they, Marco? Well, indeed. Yeah, I'll be there. I'll be happy to take one pound off you and guide you through the uh, array of literature that can be found on the um, table. Indeed, and uh, and have a chat. All the uh, the usual suspects are hanging around there. It's a good place to meet people, actually, uh, on a match day. So there you go. You can also get it digitally, uh, cfcuk.net, uh, if you want a copy. And uh, you can get it in the in the USA, but you need to follow the Twitter account, C- at cfcukusa, if you want to know more about how to do that. Right, enough of all of that. Uh, time for ye old emails. Uh, we've got five absolute crackers this week, starting with your new best friend, Jonathan. Well, he's put me under pressure here because he's just—he's mentioned I got his name pronounced right, and um, uh, I can't remember how I did it. So, so uh, it, it's a—it's a, a, a thing in the dark, shot in the dark here. It's from Prashanth. Um, I hope. Or uh, you've called him Prashanth, Chidge, but he's—he looks to me as if he's Prashanth. Anyway, hello lads, hope you're well. This is me, Prashanth. <laughs> just like the way Kiddo got my name pronunciation spot on last week, <laughs> writing another email. This week, I'm in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And fun fact, my hotel is just a few miles from Hershey. Quiz time, which player in our current squad is from Hershey? Big smile. Hey, it's Pulisicki, as in a Hershey bar. Anyway, I was planning to drive down to Virginia to meet my old friend, 
old French, old friend for lunch. And it was a two hour drive from my hotel. I made a calculation so I can watch the game on my way. I ended up in a Starbucks, got my coffee, had the game on my phone. The team lineup was not surprising, but Frank persisting with Willie and opting for Pedro over Willian seemed an interesting call. Hmm. Didn't play badly, actually, Pedro. Rumours have it that Frank is not happy with William after the interview he'd given about wanting three years extension. Yeah, absolutely. Which isn't going to happen. I mean, for goodness sake. Not sure how much truth is there in this matter, but William looked kind of disinterested when he came on as a sub versus Bayern. Tomori was a great option considering Rudiger has been shaky. Very sweet word for crap. The game followed a similar pattern where we started slowly. Willie made some good saves. Selection justified? Yes, we took a lead thanks to our best striker, Alonso, after a good attempt by Giroud. We managed to completely control the remainder of the half. Now, as soon as the second half begins, the commentator makes a point that Chelsea have never lost a game after taking a lead at half-time. I'm not sure if I heard this statement right, but I told myself, God, we're going to lose, aren't we? I believe that whenever commentators or any media tweets, jinkers. We lose, and this has been happening for some time this season. We started the second half well, and then Giroud missed the sitter. I'm sorry, but if you're going to start for a club like Chelsea or a World Cup win, World Cup, World Cup winner, those chances need to be taken. And guess what? We concede from yet another set piece. The build-up to their corner was quite comical. It was a hopeful ball lobbed, and Willie didn't come and claim it. Then Tomori tries to let it go outside, only for it to take a touch off him. For the second goal, so many defensive lapses. Tomori comes flying out, misses the tackle stroke ball. Christensen has to shift to cover and on the back post, restock tracking. I don't know, lads, in my email a few weeks back, Tony Glover didn't agree with some of my points I made, saying I was wrong when I asked what Lampard's attacking philosophy is or why it's been six to seven months and still we've not sorted out the defending. I know this season's mostly a write-off, but we should beat the likes of Bournemouth. I don't remember when was the last last time we won we'd won two games in a row in the premier league but one thing i was happy that we at least didn't lose at this point with the players we have barring the injured players we're going to drop a few more points on the way the difference in quality we did see versus bayern where we were where we were torn to shreds the bayern subs were coutinho coutinho gretzka and Tolisso, whereas chelsea had Tammy, William, etc. This actually shows how big of a job the board has to refresh the squad. On we go to the FA Cup where we play the mighty Reds. Hope more game time for Gilmore and other youngsters. As always, love the work. Hopefully next week's email is on the back of a winning one. Regards, Prasanth. 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 Uh, you've spooked me now. You've spooked me, Prasanth. Um, uh, what does that say? C-I-S-S-P, Chidge. Chelsea. No idea. C-I-S-S-P. Chelsea in... Um, uh, Seriously stupid s- silly, policy. Silly sausage... Um, pie. Pie. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. yeah. Is that it? Yeah, got it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Cheers, Prashanth. Lovely to hear from you, as always. Uh, right, we've got one from Michael Gibbon. Uh, dear Chidge, kid and esteemed guest. Well, in fact, it's, it's, it's guests this week, like Michael. Kid. Yeah, kid. Yeah, yeah, short and sweet, mate. Yeah. Um, he says, Michael says, uh, I always want to do an email. Uh, remember that? Marco will remember this. Remember those uh, uh, kind of road safety ads that then got appropriated by the prodigy? Prodigy, easy, easy for me to say. Charlie says, yeah, remember yeah, those? Yeah. yeah. 
We'd, what we might do is do, I might nick that and then do that as the intro, a little little intro sting for the, uh, the, the the emails. Anyway, I'm going off a mad tangent as I always do. Right, so Michael says, I'm a fairly recent listener to the fan cast, only started at the end of last season. Michael, I forgive you. All right, feel, feel absolved. Uh, since then, it has become, by quite a distance, my favourite of all podcasts. Michael, we love you. Uh, I love listening to the takes on here, and as a fan who has never had the pleasure or the opportunity to see Chelsea live, <gasps> you poor man, hearing supporters who regularly see the team play in person is fantastic. That, my friend, is what makes this podcast what it is. We all go, and that's lovely, and we're very lucky. And we all see each other there, which is even better. Uh, I have a weekly alarm set uh, for 8.55 every Monday so I can listen live. I wonder if you're in the house tonight, Michael. Maybe you are. Do announce yourself if you are. Sadly, it is sometimes not possible to listen as it's broadcast, but I always listen and sometimes re-listen the following day. I don't usually comment on these things because I'm not a match-going fan. That doesn't matter. Uh, and therefore cannot realistically put myself in the shoes of one. But the VAR discussion is becoming increasingly tedious. Well, I second that. Uh, I understand as a fan cast, you must give voice to the frustrations of the supporter base. And every week there is a new scandal caused by VAR. I detest it. I think it's made television viewing much worse. Well, it's good for you. It's good to hear that you, it, it screws up TV as well. I'm much, I've much suspected that that was the case. In fact, I know that's the case because I moaned about exactly the same thing the other week. And the sheer incompetence of those in charge of it is both baffling and enraging. But really, there is nothing more to discuss after that. All VAR discussions essentially follow the same pattern. Step one, outrageous decision is outrageous for the following reasons. Usually the same reasons. Always truly idiotic on the part of the referee. Step two, it's killing the game, which it is. Step three, VAR as a technology isn't the issue. The obsequious morons at Stockley Park are to blame, which they are. Step four, continue rant until steam is lost. There really is nothing new to talk about when it comes to VAR. It's just the provider of a near weekly disaster to be clear i'm not criticizing the fan cast for discussing it like i said giving voice to fan issues is a central pillar of a good supporters podcast but when it essentially becomes the actual podcast itself and the very interesting and engaging developments at stanford bridge and at cobham are put to one side a little that takes away from what would um, what most would consider the most important content of the fan cast chelsea where we are and what we're doing. I suppose my point isn't that all discussion on VAR should stop, but that it's simply, oh sorry, but that it's becoming the main event, which isn't ideal, and VAR being such a shambles isn't your fault. I simply feel the discussion around it has become excessive. Well, I take your point, Michael, but I fundamentally disagree because, uh, I mean, I know that we opened up last week with a whole part on VAR, but it was such an omni-shambles of a clusterfuck, it absolutely deserved it. And bear in mind that our show is nearly two and a half hours long, so half an hour dedicated to it is only a fifth. So, and I think in the broader scheme of things, I would disagree with you. But I take your point because it's a load of arse gravy and I hate talking about it. So, duly noted. And thank you for alerting me to that. On to lighter things. If Tony is the guest, never have him on again. No, no, you didn't say that. If Tony is the guest or if anyone on the show has any information, by favourite my, uh, my, favorite was the seemingly now... Oh, that's, that's, I shall read this all again because I've got this completely wrong. On to lighter things. If Tony is the guest, or if anyone on the show has any information, my favourite was the seemingly now dormant podding shed. Just wanted to ask if there was any possibility of it being revived at any point. May I say again, excellent podcast. The Monday night edition is one of the highlights of my week. The others being any and all Chelsea matches played that week. Well done, chaps. Keep the blue flag flying high. Michael Gibbon. Michael, brilliant email. I, I do take... I wasn't being facetious, by the way. I take your point about VAR, but I, I think that's a bit unfair because it was such a apotheosis of awfulness 
that particular week. It really did need to, need to be talked about. Uh, Tony has not given up the podding shed. He just finds, you know, the times difficult to get everybody together. And, you know, he'll, he'll be back. We nearly did one the other week. Um, and I was going to be on it. But anyway, I don't know what happened. But he's also not very well at the moment. He's got, um, I think he's got gastroenteritis. or oh, it's, cer- it's certainly coming out the wrong end in, in, in large amounts. So he's, he's not very well. If you follow his Twitter feed, you will know this. But I'm sure he'll be all right soon. Uh, but great email, Michael. Thank you for that. And I'm really, really glad you uh, like the show. So top, top man. Thank you. Jonathan. Actually, but isn't he saying that he prefers the uh, the potting potting shed to um, to the fancast? He says my favourite was the seemingly now dormant potting shed. Is that allowed, Chich? Have you just given him airtime for somebody saying I prefer the potting shed? Oh, sorry, I'll cut that out then. If you could possibly, yeah, when we I get will. to it. Okay, no much. problem. Jonathan. And the other thing I wanted to say, in Tony, reality- Tony, who? Tony who? I don't know. Who's this Tony? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Good idea. Cut it at excessive. It's become excessive. May I say again, excellent podcast. We don't get any of that. Good. Well done. Good idea. Um, and can I just say, um, just to carry on the VAR discussion, the one point that I made in my rant the other day was how ridiculous it is that the referees fail to see obvious errors when it comes to the ball going out for a goal kick or a corner. And we have exactly the same sodding thing in the League Cup final, where everybody at home and everywhere else sees that it's a goal kick and the referee gives a corner and nothing's done about it. The mind boggles with the idiocy of it all. Anyway, email number three, Andrew Davies. Hi, Chidge, JK and another. Oh, another. That's some... Marco and Dean. Good. Writing this, listening to Chelsea Fancast number 493, available now on all good podcast providers and just a few random thoughts on VAR and our humbling 3-0 loss to Bayern. VAR has been done to death, but I just wanted to put in my two penneth. The total analysis... Don't, don't, don't tell Michael. No, let's not tell him. No, we're not discussing it. No, we're not. No, no, we're, no. Yeah, we'll cut this bit out, Jude. The total and utter disenchantment of fans and more commonly players and managers about how the current system is being used is palpable. Good word. It's a it's a Clayton word and a Shakespearean word. And I think a Hamlet word. And I think reaching a really critical moment. I presume the lawmakers would be reviewing VAR's success at the end of the current season, regardless of how it was received. But surely now a real honest, in-depth analysis needs to be done. Currently, the only thing that is clear and obvious is that the only ones championing its benefits and success are the very ones whose job relies on that success. I really think they're in real danger of damaging the brand that they worried so much about to the point where I can see attendances dropping and TV rights diminishing as a result. It really is killing the soul of the game. At the Ajax group stage game in the East Up, I find myself not celebrating Rhys James' fourth goal equaliser for fear of it being overturned, whilst feeling rather silly going absolutely crazy when the fifth goal went in only for it to be ruled out. The system in its current form has no credibility when unquestionable red cards like Maguire's and Lacelso's are replayed, yet still deemed not to be red. Anyway, on to last night's game. 
as much as I approach each game in blind optimism that we'll win, regardless of the opposition, I have to say we were taught a real lesson in that second half. Many of the team reminded us that whilst they can pull out an outstanding performance, a la Alonso, Barkley and Giroud against Tottenham, they're not able to perform that way week in, week out, and that major surgery is needed in the coming windows. I just hope the club are careful in identifying targets and have learnt from past mistakes. I think the younger players may have been a little overawed by the occasion. Rhys James, as much as he's wowed me this season, especially seemed to drop his head after the two quick-fire goals went in and really did have a torrid time against Bayern's left-back who was superb, as were most of their team. I think the best we can hope for in the return leg is to give a good account of ourselves and not let the tie become an embarrassment. We can only hope that the dead wood is cleared out this summer and the youngsters do actually learn from a few chastening results this season to return back stronger next season. Securing top four really is crucial. Let's hope we can see it over the line. As always, win or lose, up the blues. Cheers. Lovely email from Andrew there. I like that. Uh, I agree with all those points, of course. Uh, right, Alan Smith. Hi, Chidge, JK, and insert guest name here, Johnny Kidd. Uh, Marco and Dane. Lovely. And Benjito and Mixler. Obviously, this is a mate of Benjito's on Mixler. I know Benjito was in here earlier. I'm sure I saw him in there. Uh, hi, guys. want to start by saying the 25-second, I think, yeah, the, the, the last fan cast was absolutely brilliant, even by your already exalted standards. By the way, I don't, I don't pick, the, pick the emails by virtue of how much smoke they blow up our ass. <laughs> I really don't. The, I, just, the, I go through my emails on the Monday when I write the script, dig them all out and put them in in the order they come in. So... It's all true, that's what I'm saying. But, Alan, really lovely of you to say. Uh, Liam Toomey really knows his stuff. Liam does. He's a great lad. Uh, The meat of this email, however, is about something less cheerful. Now, I know it's not good form simply to quote someone else and say, I agree, but I have to say, Alex Churchill's recent blog dealing with the Kepa bashing really struck a chord with me. For those that haven't read the latest Girl Who Likes Balls blog... Alex made the point that the spate of slagging off uh, Kepper is starting to get old very quickly. True, he's made a few errors this season, but what goalkeeper hasn't? He's certainly nowhere near as bad as some of the detractors are saying. The thought that occurs to me is that if Chelsea uh, do not have another goalkeeper of the class of Willy Caballero, there's no way there'd be a sniff of a suggestion of leaving Kepper out. If Chelsea had to spend big this summer, I would say that a genuine big, tough striker in the Drogba mould who can bullock his way through defences and not take no for an answer, great as Tammy is, he can't be expected to single-handedly win games for the Blues 50 times a year. And a teak tough centre-back, lovely description, a teak tough centre-back who can bring some organisation to our sometimes flaky defence should be a higher on the wish list that either a new goalie or yet another tricky twinkle-toed winger, such as Wilfred Zahar, uh, addressing the latter, not meant to cast shade on Wilfred, who's done a great thing, uh, great things for Palace, but there are good William Christensen Mount Pedro-ish reasons why he'd be surplus to requirements at the bridge right now. Getting back to the beleaguered Kepper, if you really want to dwell on past bad Chelsea goalkeepers, the name Dave Bessence brings to mind. Talk about instant heart attack material, best Alan Smith. And talking of instant heart attack material from goalkeepers, uh, Bonnie Rig Blues uh, posted the infamous... Uh, 6-0 defeat to Rotherham <laughs> away, which I, I had not seen on YouTube. Where he found that, I do not know. Well, he found it on YouTube, obviously, but amazing that he found it. And it reminded me uh, of arguably the worst performance, Marco, I've ever seen from a goalkeeper, which was by Peter Barota that day. And it just made me smile 
thinking, and people slag Kepper off? <laughs> well, I think I think it's I think it's subsequently emerged, hasn't it, that that Kepper, in in a similar fashion to Courtois, has has got girl trouble, hasn't he? And that that's why apparently his his head's gone. Um, so I don't know. Hopefully, his uh, heads together. Um, you know, I mean, uh, it's weird, isn't it, Kepper? I mean, like, you know, people said he, he's too small. Um, he doesn't have the physicality required to be a keeper, you know, and yet he's, he's, he's a good shot stopper. I don't know. Uh, let's see. He's, I think he's going to play tomorrow. Um, and I think, you know, he could, he's got an opportunity there to be a hero, hasn't he? And everything will be forgotten if Chelsea beat Liverpool tomorrow night and Kepper um, in some way pulls off an outstanding save or it goes to penalties and he keeps them out. Um, I, I don't know. I, 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 you know. He's a Chelsea player. Back him. Can't argue with that, mate. If they wear blue, or in his case, green, I back the them. Blue. Absolutely. Don't boo the blue. Uh, I'm desperately trying to find this this brilliant uh, um, uh, tweet that our very own Clayton Beerman, goalie59 uh, on Twitter, at goalie59 wrote. I can't bloody find it now. I should have... Uh... Oh, here we go. This is what Clayton said, Dean and uh, JK, about the Kepa situation. It was a re- reply to a tweet about errors uh, leading to goals last uh, since the last... Uh, since the start of last season uh, and uh, apparently Kepper has made zero errors leading to goals last season but but uh, Clayton said uh, said this of Kepper and I, I as as ever Clayton is spot on the money here I said this weeks ago says Clayton he's made no clangers but facts are his save to shit ratio is poor can't argue with that Clayton I think his save to shit ratio is very poor <laughs> I think I think Clayton might have done a bit of a typo there, Jonathan. What do you think? I hope so. Yeah, yeah. What was your save to shit ratio like? <laughs> it depends whether I've eaten anything I'm allergic to. Yeah, yeah. Dean, what was your what was your save to shit ratio like? Yeah, I think we needed Tony on for this bit. <laughs> I know what Clayton meant, and Clayton actually, to his eternal credit, as 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 long. Uh, you know, been defending uh, Kepper. And I mean, you know, people have got short memories, you know. Yes, he's had a tough time this season, but the whole bloody defence has been an absolute cluster shambles, as has the midfield, as we were saying earlier. Uh, yada, yada, yada. I mean, you know, people, people forget the penalty save that he made against Eintracht Frankfurt, which fundamentally helped us to go on and win the Europa League trophy. So, you know, short memories, people. Uh, he's a young lad. Hopefully he'll come good. That's all I can say about that. Uh, or JK, or, or they buy, or, they buy another player in the summer who um, and and flog him. Yeah, which is, you know, is always a possibility. You don't, don't know what's going on at the moment, and uh, and I, I'll keep saying this. I, I reckon that um, four decent. We've said this in the summer actually. Um, four, uh, sorry, even the winter we said it. Four or five decent purchases would make this uh, this team um, uh, combative in a way they're not this season. Indeed. I really, I really, I really have faith in that. I really think so. And we keep pointing out the areas because I think there are some very good players there, um, uh, and and they're and they'll come good if they're surrounded by 
um, even better players up top. And I think then the youth will come through. I mean, I've been intrigued to see if he plays, um, uh, uh, what's his face, the left back tomorrow night, as well as Billy Gilmore, puts him on the subs bench. What's it, What's his name? The um, the really swift one who looks like um, Ashley Cole. Can't remember his bloody name. Anybody remember? No? You sold him to Brighton. No, 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 not him, the other one. Matson. Yeah, Matson. Matson, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Anyway, Matson. email number five, Sue Droney. Hello. It's Marco and PP Sue Droney reporting in with another serious email. Oh, okay. This time, because <laughs> it's, it's satire. This time, players through the ages who get the heart racing. Good-looking-wise. Mine are old-time Chris Garland. Yes, Chris Garland. Chris Garland, Sue, had an appalling ability to get through in a goal-scoring situation and fall over. That was his big claim to fame. Uh, Middle Ages, Carlo Cudicini. We used to impersonate Garland in the playground at school, which was you'd run for the ball and fall over. Uh, Middle Ages, Carlo Cudicini. Yeah, Middle Ages, Carlo Cudicini. Yes, Lynn, who I sit next to, in love with him. Met him in the lift at an away game. Speechless, speechless, just quivered. Could not stop quivering in his presence. Uh, modern times, Paolo Ferreira. Similarly, Ferreira. Love, complete love. Poor old Ron, didn't stand a chance. Anyway, Greg and I hope to see you at the cock for a Norwich game and say hi. With our love and best wishes, Sue Droney, Toowoomba, Australia. Who are our favourite looking players, everybody, as blokes? Not, you know, not in that way, but, you know, just generally. Who are ours? Who are we fond of in a kind of manly way? Who did we like? Uh, let me think. Um, oh, let me think. Who are my, my favourites? Um, I can't think of any. Chief. <laughs> <laughs> you are rubbish. I love you. <laughs> Well, actually, you know, Sue, Sue has hit the nail on the head there because, you know, I, I, I have to be honest. I always had a massive man crush on on uh, on Frank Lampard. Actually, I used to joke with my my wife that she was the first Mrs. Chidgy and Frank Lampard would be the second. Uh, I, I would have given my wife up for Frank Lampard because I just love the man, but not necessarily because he's the best looking chap in the world. I, I think I think she's got it spot on. I thought I thought Carlo Cudicini was a fine looking man, and I had an absolute man crush on Paolo Ferreira. And I remember being in a Matthew Harding uh, lower once uh, a game, and I started off uh, a massive chant of Paolo Ferreira, clap 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 clap. Uh, to which he acknowledged, because I have a rather loud voice, or as my wife would say, I have a stentorian voice, apparently, JK. Bravo. Bravo. What was that, Marco? What a good word. Stentorian, yeah. So there you go. Uh, So, yeah, Paolo, for a lot, a lot of man love for him. Beautiful hair, man. Beautiful hair. But I have to say, at the moment, of the current squad, uh, I I would definitely say Marcus Alonso. He definitely runs down the wing for me. Do, 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 do. Run down the wing um, for me, Chid, for me. No, he's done for me, man. I, I think he's a very fine looking man, Marcus Alonso. Um, a very quick note on Chris Garland, actually, because, uh, you know, bit, well, you know, he was kind of vaguely around when I was first going, but uh, poor old Chris is not very well at all at the moment. And oh. uh, I, I know, and our, our mate, Martin King, uh, the, the self proclaimed Gypsy King, as I call him. He is uh, doing something about it, actually. Uh, if you follow Martin on Twitter, just just pump in Martin King and you'll find him. Um, he's trying to organise donations through uh, PayPal 
to help support Chris, who is really not very well at all at the moment. And I think Chris was a bit of a favourite player of Martin. So there you go. Mark, you've heard about that, Mark, I presume? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think he has he got dementia, Chris? I think he might have, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, so there we go. Not good. Poor Chris Garland. Um, uh, Marco, very quickly, what are your uh, man crush choices before I go to Dean for his man crush choices? Well, I would say in, in the current side... Um, uh, obviously, we, we've already mentioned uh, Marcos Marcos Alonso. Olivier Giroud is a very handsome man. He is nice beard. Um, and sort of going going back, uh, well, I thought Viali was rather dapper. Um, uh, what about yeah. Gary Stanley and Gary Chivers going back away? They were Gary quite lookers, weren't they? <laughs> No, okay, actually, maybe not Gary. Chivers. Actually, and very sadly indeed, um, uh, Dale Jasper was a was a beautiful boy. Yeah, yeah. Passed away very recently. Yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, good point. There we go, uh, Dino. I think there's going to be a bit of a fight for Marcus Alonso going on tonight. There we go. Well, that's consistency is a good thing. Is that it? So you're just going for Marcus Alonso? I don't see who else comes close to to gorgeous Marco. <laughs> Marcus. You're a lot. You're a loyal man, Dean. You're a loyal man. Can well, we there you go. Well, ugliest, uh, ugliest players, Chidge. Can we do that? We've done that, haven't we? I'm sure Sue wrote in before and did that. But if not, Sue, Sue, write in next week. And by the way, I hope Greg's fine as well. Do send him our best. But write in for next week with who your nominations for ugliest players are. That would be quite funny and naughty, but funny. Anyway, enough. we got to go. Uh, that, I'm afraid, is all we've got time for this week. Uh, do send your emails in to chelseafancast at gmail.com. They always get read, read out, even if it makes the show five hours long. We don't care. We just read them out. Uh, anyway, as I said, that's it for this week. Uh, we will be back next week on Tuesday evening. Not Monday. Tuesday evening. Because I am in Glasgow for a wedding this weekend. So uh, I will not be back by Monday. Well, I won't be back in time enough to put the show together. Anyway, Jonathan and I will be joined by the infamous goalie 59, Mr. Clayton Beerman himself. Uh, before that, uh, we'll be back on Love Sport Radio this Friday where Dan Silver and Alex Churchill will be joined, hopefully, by Dane Whittle. Uh, Dane may be making his debut. And they'll be, of course, uh, looked after and chaperoned by the lovely Matt Beadle from 7 o'clock till 8pm talking Chelsea so do give it a listen and don't forget that I also do the Sunday Love Sport Breakfast Show between 8 o'clock and 12 o'clock every Sunday with the lovely Paul Mortimer uh, I won't be this Sunday but because uh, I'm away but normally I am uh, you can phone in either show uh, and debate with us live the number to call is 020-870-2558 and you can also WhatsApp that number too and kind of text in instead Love Sports uh, a national radio station now uh, on the DAB digital channels uh, and it's also on Radio Player TuneIn and LoveSportRadio.com. And like all of our shows, is available as a podcast shortly afterwards on ChelseaFanCast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, and Spotify, as well as other podcast distributors. Uh, now, talking of which, uh, you can also find the Chelsea Fancast and all the other Chelsea podcasts on the CFC Blues app, as they so eloquently announce here. Right, uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast. Me at Stanford Chid, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, Dean at Dean Mears, and Marco at Gate Seventeen Marco. And our fellow fancasters are at Joe Tweedy, at Goldie Fifty Nine, at Grocer Jack UK, 
at Martin Wickham, at Dan Silv73, at Liam underscore Tooby. Uh, and of course, Alex is at CFCGWLB. And check out the website, ChelseaFanCast.com, with blogs from at Clitheroe Blue. And of course, our star writer at Dean Mears gets two mentions. And uh, Alex at CFCGWLB. And finally, a big thank you to the lovely Dane Whittle, who's now the Instagram Chelsea Fancast Instagram Supremo. Uh, largely because I don't understand how Instagram works and he's doing a fine job for the Chelsea Fancast account so do check that out on Instagram as well okay enough we've got to go home well I am home but so I, I'll go to bed actually no I can't go to bed because I've got to edit the show but there you go uh, Dean always lovely to have it's been far too long since we've had you on we always enjoy your company we need to get you on more often mate yeah I love being on the show so hopefully um, a bit like Tamori get a few more appearances yeah well you're better than Tamori mate <laughs> Well, maybe on the podcast, maybe not the football pitch. <laughs> well, they, you, you said swap. it, son. I can... Swap round, swap, see what happens. Get Tamori on here. Yeah. And get to Sign him up. Yeah. Bring him on. Yeah, definitely. Always good to have Dean on the show. Marco, as ever, one of my favourite people in the entire universe. Always a delight to have you on the show, mate. Uh, thank you so much. Enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Uh, always a pleasure, mate. Always a pleasure. And last, but by no means least, uh, Mr. Kidd, uh, as ever, sorry about the trouble in the, fa- in, in, in the fart. In the, well, I don't think the trouble was the farting. It was the lack of being able to hear it in part one. But never mind, we got you back in the end. Thank you very much. No, I was a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, uh, farty earlier on. but uh, Flatulent, uh, dear boy. Yeah, there's the word. Yeah, but luckily, um, uh, luckily you couldn't hear me because I, I, nobody else could because I disappeared. Yeah. But, um, oh, well, we got we got it sorted out. You That's got the main it thing. With it. You did well. I loved it. Thank you. And yeah. well, um, uh, I look forward to our next uh, um, uh, um, fancast. Well, as a very famous man once said, Jonathan, because I know you're not like me, not on on Friday. I will see you next Tuesday. You will indeed, and I won't uh, be insulted. Thank you. <laughs> There's no insult meant. <laughs> <laughs> Great fun. Uh, right, last but by no means at least, the lovely, lovely people in Mixler. Sorry, I've not attended to you as much as I like to, but it's been a bit like Minority Report looking at my screen tonight. So there you go. But uh, keep the faith. See you next week. Really enjoyed it as ever. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Till then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chill. Up the chill! <laughs> It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.